0: You are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. My co-host today is Michelle Jewel Shaw, chairperson of Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses and star teacher at the Rochester Middle School in New Hampshire. Hi, Michelle.
1: Hello, Jeremy, and hello to all of our listeners out there.
0: Today is October 2nd, 2022, and this is episode 193 of Lighthearted. In a few minutes, we'll hear a conversation with three people associated with the Port Washington Lighthouse or Light Station. Uh, in Wisconsin. The lighthouse season is winding down here in the Northeast as we move deeper into the fall season. It's pretty windy and chilly out here today. It is, yeah. Nice, but but uh, definitely windy and chilly, feels like fall. And unfortunately, we had to cancel our uh, five lighthouse crews tomorrow, the cruise we try to do every every year uh around this time for friends of portsmouth harbor lighthouses leaving the, out of rye new hampshire with granite state whale watch but we had to cancel tomorrow because of the forecast of high winds and very rough seas i think at least some of that's due to uh, hurricane fiona out to yeah. sea so that was too bad the cruise was sold out too
1: yeah that's too bad but it's probably for the best It wouldn't be the best thing if being out there on the seas like that you might get a lot of seasick people
0: yeah. Last year was great. We had a beautiful day. So sometimes we've we've been lucky. But anyway, so I'm sorry that that's not happening tomorrow. But we still have a, a few more weeks of our tours at Portsmouth yeah. Harbor Light. Yeah. So, and yeah, matter of fact, I'll be there this evening giving a, a tour. Yeah. Uh, I know you're very busy with your teaching position, Michelle, of course. Nice. Are you sad to see the lighthouse tour season winding down?
1: I am you know, I'm gonna miss giving the tours. I think at first I'm i I'm sort of looking forward to having a little bit of a break, but probably by November, I'm definitely going to miss yeah. the Lighthouse every week and yeah. things like that.
0: Yeah, you might have a little bit of what Lighthouse withdrawal With symptoms definitely. by that, by yeah. then. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel the same way. I definitely miss it in the off season. So uh, just shifting gears a little bit here, Michelle, has anything interesting happened on the state Lighthouse history?
1: Why, yes, it has. Something very important in Canadian history happened on this date. On October 2nd, 1758, 264 years ago today, the very first act passed by Nova Scotia's House of Assembly placed a tax on incoming vessels and alcohol imports to pay for a lighthouse on Sambro Island at the entrance to Halifax Harbor. A temporary light went into service that same year and construction on the lighthouse was completed the following year. The tower still stands and is the oldest surviving lighthouse in North America. October 2nd, that's my birthday.
0: Oh, of course. Wow.
1: 51 next week.
0: Yeah. So we're actually recording this uh, a week or so earlier than that. So happy birthday, Michelle. Thank you. I'm terrible. I'm absolutely terrible with birthdays. So I'm sorry. I didn't already wish you a happy birthday, (laughs) but that's fantastic. Yeah. I'm glad you pointed that out. So. Maybe you'll hear from a few listeners. (laughs) We'll see what happens. But uh, about Samborough Island, uh, the the Nova Scotia Lighthouse Preservation Society succeeded in having Samborough Island Lighthouse designated as a classified federal heritage building in 1996. And uh, quite a bit of restoration has been carried out since then a new uh, nonprofit organization has been formed to preserve the lighthouse called the sambro island lighthouse heritage society that was the subject of episode 109 of lighthearted and. uh, that was with uh, Chris mills and Joe Fleming of that society so let's move on and tell everyone about port Washington lighthouse and today's guests.
1: Sure, Jeremy. Port Washington, Wisconsin is located on Lake Michigan's western shore, just a few miles north of Milwaukee. The city grew up around the mouth of a small river called Saw Creek. In cordwood, wheat and rye flour, bricks, fish, and hides were major exports. A larger artificial harbor was created in the 1870s, leading to the development of Port Washington as a commercial port.
0: Port Washington's first lighthouse was established in 1849 with a tower and keeper's house built of cream city brick. The lighthouse was rebuilt in 1860 using some of the materials from the earlier structure. This time, a short square tower was installed on the southern gable of a two story building, two story keeper's dwelling, again made of local cream city brick.
1: A new Port Washington Pierhead Light was established nearby in 1889 and it was maintained by the keepers at the 1860 light station. Eventually it was realized that only one light was needed and the 1860 lighthouse was deactivated in 1903. The
0: 1860 dwelling was used uh, later to house keepers who tended a fog signal nearby and the lighthouse tower was eventually removed from the top of the structure. The building was used to house Coast Guard personnel as late as 1993. Ownership of the light station was then transferred to the city of Port Washington, and the Port Washington Historical Society has leased the building from the city since then.
1: Because the Port Washington area was home to many immigrants from Luxembourg, in 2000, the Luxembourg Minister of Sites and Monuments visited the area. He offered, on behalf of the Grand Duchy of Luxembourg, to restore the lighthouse to its original appearance by installing a replacement tower.
0: The project was done as a memorial to United States servicemen who fought in the European country, Luxembourg, in World War II. The Port Washington Historical Society raised additional funds for restoration and a new tower was installed in 2002. The restored lighthouse contains a museum of lighthouse keeping life.
1: We have three guests today. Don St. George is the executive director of the Port Washington Historical Society. Patrick Curtis is a board member of the society. He's also the lighthouse manager, and he's the author of a new book, The Light on the House at the Top of the Stairs. And Andrea Cole is a board member as well as the volunteer coordinator for the light station.
0: Yeah, I spoke with all three of them recently, and uh, we're going to listen to that conversation now. I am speaking this afternoon with three people who are uh, associated with the Port Washington Lighthouse in Wisconsin. We have uh, Don St. George and Andrea Cole and Patrick Curtis. Thank you all so much for, for being with me today. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Obviously, we're going to talk about the, the lighthouse quite a bit, uh, and uh, it's got a, a lot of interesting history, and it's a, a certainly a tourist attraction. Before we talk about that, let's talk a little bit about each of you. First of all, Don, I saw online, I think it may have been on LinkedIn, possibly. Possibly, uh, yes. Yeah, that you've been the executive director of the Port Washington Historical Society for about three and a half years. Is that more or less correct? Right, correct. Okay. And before that, you were at, uh, I think, two or three other museums, including one in New Mexico. I'm just curious, what brought you to Port Washington, Wisconsin?
2: Well, uh, I grew up in a city uh, just west of, a suburb just west of Milwaukee. And I grew up on a farm there. I wasn't; uh, It was an archaeological site. So I got interested in history in that very early. I also have uh, a PhD from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. So I've spent most of my life and my career here in southeastern Wisconsin, uh, spent a lot of time in the division of museums and historic sites at the Wisconsin Historical Society, too. So I have worked in Madison. I uh, was director of Old World Wisconsin and went out to New Mexico to direct a living history museum out there. Family um, brought me back to Milwaukee, so in in part, New Mexico was a blip on an otherwise uh-huh. <laughs> career that's centered in the Midwest.
0: Okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so it's good to hear you have those those roots there and you are able to to be involved with something so, so close to home. Uh,
2: oh, yes, I, it's I, always good to work close to home.
0: Yes, absolutely. So, Pat, I have a, a two-part question for you. Uh, what led you to become the building manager for The Lighthouse? And what does that position entail?
3: Okay, well, I'm the lighthouse manager. Is my official title?
0: Lighthouse and, manager. Okay.
3: Yeah. And um, I was a guide when I, Don and me both came, you know, into the society about the same time. I grew up in Port Washington, but I my job took me all over the world, and I lived all over, and I just came home.
4: Mm-hmm. So
3: uh, I signed up to be a guide, and there were two. There were a couple, they were co-managers, and uh, some of their family dynamics changed. They had some grandchildren that they had to help, so they had to kind of step back, and I was in the wrong spot at the wrong time, and that's how I became the manager of the the lighthouse. I've been doing that now for about uh, three years, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I I thoroughly enjoy it. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Great. And what, what does it mean exactly? What what aspects do you manage? The,
3: the society is set up in a way that we have a lot of different, you know, committees and chair people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a building and grounds committee that takes care of the building. But as the manager, let's say, I, you know, my wife and me look after the place all year round. Yeah. If we go up there, we see a water leak or something, you know, we'll, we'll contact uh, uh, Keith Jaras, who's the building and grounds chairman and he would fix it. Okay. So um, uh, one of my biggest jobs was uh, trying to wrangle volunteers, you know, for the season. Mm -hmm. And it was quite a job. And um, one day, Andrea was in the wrong place at the wrong time. (laughs) Um, Anyway, she was uh, gracious enough to um, sign on and help me with that. So uh, as a a volunteer coordinator, I kind of stepped back from that. But Uh, you know, I'm still involved. If somebody can't come,
0: I'll fill in. Yeah, sure. Well, it sounds like being a lighthouse manager is is plenty. You don't need to be volunteer coordinator at the same time. That sounds (laughs) like an awful lot. That's Um, true. Yeah. So, Andrea, moving on to you, how how did you get involved as a volunteer and uh, as the volunteer coordinator as well?
5: Uh, Well, I moved to um, Port Washington, Wisconsin. Actually, work brought me here to the area, um, back in 1996, and because I I purchased a house that's got a lot of history to it, it was built in 1888 or thereabouts. I spent a lot of time at the um, Historical Society Resource Center researching my home and the neighborhood, and got to know the people who worked there and or really volunteered there. Um, so then I expressed an interest in helping to do research and and staff the volunteer um, uh, the resource center at times and uh, so i've been a long time volunteer in various aspects and then as pat mentioned there was a need for well well, i was a guide at the lighthouse also and pat expressed a need um, for a volunteer coordinator so i uh, became uh, took on that role with another coordinator um, just this past year, and it went pretty well. You know, we 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 did a lot of work and pulled a lot of um, uh, gu- uh, guides together to help guide tours. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also I, I'm on uh, the executive board, so the board of directors. Um, so I'm involved in that way as well.
0: Mm-hmm. okay let, let me just ask you something while we're on this this subject Andrea um, do you, I don't know how, how many volunteers you uh, have on hand and how many are needed to kind of run the place on a regular basis but I imagine you're always looking for more is that is that the case?
5: That's very true we're we're always looking for more. Um, what we we did this past year in the summer is we tried to have, um, pro- three or four volunteers at the lighthouse mm-hmm. um, during the open hours on the weekends. And that three was probably the sweet spot. We'd have one person outside telling the history overall of lighthouses, past and present in Port Washington. And then indoors, we would have someone um, uh, guiding tours on the first floor, and then another person. Um, on the second floor and the tower. So mm-hmm. um, that was that was probably the what we found was the best balance of responsibility.
0: So Andrea, you just mentioned a uh, resource center that there is a, mm-hmm. a Port Washington uh, resource Center run by the Historical Society. Don, could you say a little bit about more more about that? Is that something that's open to the public?
2: Sure is. Um, it's, it's the mainstay of the Historical Society, which was formed in 1991, and has moved throughout the city in different uh, buildings. And in 2005, a little bit before, a little bit after, they really started looking for a building that they could move into permanently rather than renting. And their idea was to purchase a historic building. Well, that came to be, um about 2015 and so the resource center was able to take on a much larger spot all of the historic documents the archives are now housed there we're on main street so we're very visible to the public and to tourists um, both who use it we have port washington people who come in to research their families and we also have exhibits that we change over as well Mm -hmm. So a lot of activity going on there, we clip a lot of newspapers still, Uh, the the, uh, collections volunteers use a collections database called Past Perfect, and so we're constantly accessioning new objects into that collection. We have about 20 volunteers that actually work at, at the Historical Society, some of them are to greet visitors. Some of them do exhibits, some of them uh, work with people who are coming to do research.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's, it's a resource center, but it sounds like it's also kind of a museum of Port Washington as well.
2: Yeah, I think once we got the larger building, we were able to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. And, nice.
2: and then we can display our objects.
0: Right, right. That's excellent. Uh, is are there uh, online exhibits, is there stuff people can can look at online? Or?
2: We only our photo collection. We're in the mm-hmm. process of working with that. We have several residents who have given us their photos. We don't have all of them online, but we've chosen photos that we think might appeal to the public more, and have those online. And you can access those and then purchase them off of our website.
0: And I imagine some of that relates to the lighthouse,
2: of course, of course, there's a big story to that.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And let's get into that. Uh, Let's talk a bit about the history of the lighthouse. The lighthouse that stands there today was built in 1860. But it replaced an earlier lighthouse that was built in 1849. The first one didn't last all that long, but I I understand (laughs) some of the materials in the first one are incorporated into the second one is that do I have that correct?
2: Correct, and it's on the same spot.
0: Uh, So uh, what were the reasons why a lighthouse was established in 1849 at Port Washington?
5: If you look at the lighthouse, the 1849, and then also the the following, you know, the 1860 lighthouse that was built on the same piece of land, um, it's not near the harbor and it's elevated. So... The purpose of that lighthouse was to give a reference point to the uh, boats on the lake going by. We are midway between Sheboygan, Wisconsin and Milwaukee, Wisconsin, both of which have lighthouses of their own. So it was a continuum, you know, once you, if you're going north to south, once you pass Sheboygan, then, you know, you eventually see the Port Washington lighthouse. And then followed by the Milwaukee Lighthouse. So um, it was a reference point to allow the boats to, uh, boat captains to know where they were on the lake. You know, at that time in 1860 and before, we didn't have a, uh, a proper harbor. It's not a natural harbor at all, it's a man made harbor in Port Washington.
0: Which came later, the man-made mm-hmm. harbor you're talking about, came quite a bit later, right? Yeah,
5: I believe in the 1870s was the first time there was a dredged uh, harbor created.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's basically just a, a small. It was a small harbor at the mouth of the creek. Is that is that correct?
5: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, so the the lighthouse, the 1860 lighthouse building or light station, the, the keepers dwelling part of it is actually made of Cream City brick. Uh, and I'm sure some of our listeners know what that means. We've talked about other lighthouses on this podcast that are built of Cream, cream City brick, but for people who don't know what is what is Cream City brick?
3: Well, uh, Cream City brick is, uh, it's, it has to do with the color of the brick after the fire. The brick itself is made out of red clay which there was an abundance of, you know, along the shore Lake Michigan and the Menominee River Valley. It started in Milwaukee. Uh, and Milwaukee got the nickname Cream City Brick. You know, I grew up with that name here in Port Washington because there were buildings all over me that had a Cream City Brick.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: the, the cream City, the cream part comes from the fact that the, the clay has a high amount of sulfur and uh, uh, I think magnesium in it. And when you fire it, then it turns to that color. Mm -hmm. Now, it's a nice brick, and it was readily available, so it became popular. Uh, There was several factories in Milwaukee, but there was one also in Port Washington called the Gunther Brick Factory, and it was just down below the lighthouse by a uh, artesian well or fed pond that they used the water to make the bricks. The brick itself was okay, but it was subject to environmental pollution like smoke, it would discolor. If you sandblasted it, you destroyed it, but you could wash it with soap and water. It mm. kind of fell out of favor in the early 1900s, about the same time that the supply of red clay was depleting, you know, around the factories and favored more like uh, marble or, or rocks, you know, and Lannan stone, which was another popular uh, building material come from Lannan, Wisconsin. So, mm. But Cream City brick is, uh, there's still a lot of buildings here. Port Washington has more supposedly has more pre Civil War buildings than any other city in the state, and they are made from cream city brick.
0: Okay, maybe I have a misconception, but I thought that Milwaukee was also known as the Cream City for the dairy industry. Is that mm. is that is that,
2: I, that correct, I, or
0: that's not? Maybe I dreamed that I one. I think
2: it's the bricks. <laughs>
0: it's after the brick. It's not after the dairy. Yeah. I don't. Right. I, the state don't know. is
3: the dairy state, so right well milwaukee's beer city
0: well there yeah there's that right, right. <laughs> there's
2: cream on top of that beard
0: <laughs> that, that's true i was just in ireland for for a few weeks and i had ah. uh, plenty of guinness with the sort of there you <laughs> top. so i know what that's like but uh okay so i'm glad you clarified that thank you so uh the the lighthouse that's there today the light light station uh was active for a fairly short period of time only 1860 to 1903 if i have that correct Uh, Is there anything from that period that stands out? Of course, there were keepers and families living there during that period. And I'm wondering, I'm sure there's multiple things. We might not be able to talk about all of them, but, uh, and any of you can take this, but I'm wondering if there are certain uh, personalities and or incidents that stand out from that period.
3: Let me jump in on that one. Um, It's true that uh, from 1860 to 1903, it was the lighthouse, uh, until they built a the pierhead light, but it was still a functioning building. And uh, uh, when they electrified the light, of course, the generator was up by the lighthouse that powered the light at the end of the pier. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are a couple of keepers that I think are worthwhile mentioning. In 1860, the first keeper there was a woman by the name of Marguerite Schomer. Her husband had been the uh, uh, keeper. In the old lighthouse, but during the construction of the new one, he died. Now she wanted the job, but she had a few things going against her at the time. Uh, number one, she was a woman. Number two, she was an immigrant. Number three, her command of the English language was wasn't sufficient. But with the help of her friends, they got her to pass the test and. People wrote letters. Uh, The day that her husband died, she had to take care of the light. And since he died, she was taking care of it. And eventually they did give it to her. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second um, uh, keeper that I think is worthwhile mentioning is the Lewis family. Uh, Captain Charles Lewis, he became the keeper in 1873. He died in 1880. Now, his wife, she wanted to be the keeper, but they wouldn't give it to her. But they Mm -hmm. gave it to her son. Uh, I I consider her to be a keeper because her son was a Great Lakes captain and couldn't get, you know, in to take the test. She took care of the lighthouse until such a time that he came. But the Lewis family was in the lighthouse until 1935 when it, you know, went away. And uh, their legacy is, uh, it's quite a story.
0: I'm sure. I'm just wondering, have you uh, as an organization had contact with descendants of the Lewis family or any of the other keepers families?
5: During the early 2000s, um, the uh, historical society was, had taken on a project to renovate the 1860 light station. And during that time, um, Jeanette uh, Lewis was her maiden name. Um, she was a granddaughter of Charles Lewis, Jr. And she and her twin sister, Genevieve, had lived at the lighthouse during the early 1920s. Um, so she was still alive at that time when during the renovation. And she was able to help with, um, you know, sharing that vision of how the lighthouse living quarters were set up. And so she was able to say, you know, my grandfather's recliner was set over here in the dining room. And um, she also donated two paintings, which were painted by her, I believe it was a great aunt. And so we have those paintings hung in the parlor at the same locations where she told us this is where they hung. And so those are some of the special memorabilia and the authentic pieces that we have at the light station now um the the furniture is not necessarily um is not authentic to the light station but it is appropriate to the time you know Mm -hmm. the early 1900s to to 1920 as Uh Jeanette helped us set up
0: oh that's fantastic it's always a huge thing to have somebody like that Mm -hmm. who who lived living history to, to help with uh,
4: mm-hmm.
0: a restoration like that. There was a very similar situation at a lighthouse in New England that I'm very familiar with Rose Island, Newport, Rhode Island, where a grandson mm-hmm. of a keeper who he had spent much of his childhood at the lighthouse. And he uh, had a big hand in restoring that to what it looked like when he was a kid. So what you're saying reminds nice me very much mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. So Pat, a few minutes ago, you mentioned that the light, the light, the 1860 light station was uh, deactivated in 1903, replaced, uh, as an aid to navigation by a breakwater light, which still yes. stands today. But the, the building, uh, the 1860 building was used after that. Uh, could you explain a little bit about why the navigational light was, uh, was moved to a, a breakwater light and how was the 1860 building used after that?
3: Okay. Well, uh, it was in 1889 uh, 89 that they built, uh, what they call a pure light. And they had built two piers jutting out into the lake.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Now, the light on the top of the hill was great to say, okay, we're near Port Washington. But if you're trying to come into that, uh, between those two piers, you were you had a little trouble. So they placed the light out there. Mm-hmm. And so the that light, the purpose of that was to guide you into the harbor. Uh, and then, like you said, in 1903, it was electrified. Mm-hmm. But uh, prior to that, the to keeper got to uh, uh, hire an assistant keeper. And they had three different assistant keepers up until 1903. When the light was activated, um, they, they no longer needed the assistant keepers because nobody had to go and light the light anymore. Uh, so uh, I, I'm not sure if I've answered the question totally, but the lighthouse itself was still the quarters for, you know, Captain Lewis. Now, he did retire in 1924, Mm -hmm. but they kept him on as caretaker until 1935. Ah, okay. So the lighthouse served its purpose as uh, the official residence of the lightkeeper. And uh, although the light was there, it could be used in an emergency. It wasn't used on a daily basis.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. That that uh, clarifies a lot. Uh, so uh, let's jump to more recent history. And there's a re- it's such a unique story uh, about how the the lighthouse was brought back to uh, what it what it once looked like. And of course, uh, when it was uh, deactivated, I guess I don't know if it happened immediately in 1903 or exactly, uh, Pat. Maybe you want to explain that, but the the tower part, the lighthouse tower on the top of the, the keeper's dwelling, was removed when it, after it was deactivated. Is that correct?
3: Well, uh, yes, but it was removed in 1935.
0: 1935. Okay.
3: Yeah, the light remained until 1935 when they turned it into a duplex okay
0: so uh for quite a few years starting in 1935 there was no it just looked like a house basically an interesting house but a house with no no lighthouse on top no lighthouse tower but then uh the the country of luxembourg actually played a a large role in the restoration of the building to to what it had originally looked like so i don't know who wants to take this but if you could tell it and i know it's not a not a story you can explain in a in a minute or two. But uh, um, just uh, if you could give us a kind of a, a rundown on how Luxembourg got involved and what happened there.
5: So we have uh, in Ozaki County, where we're located, we have a large population, uh, relatively speaking, of descendants from immigrants from Luxembourg. And um, we had a visit in the early 2000s during the renovation project from uh, the Grand Duchy of Luxembourg um, dignitaries from there. And they discovered uh, or learned of the project to, you know, by which the Historical Society was um, leasing and making use of the 1860 light station. They learned about the fact that we were missing our tower. Um, And so they, as a gift and as a a thank you to american military members um and in honor of all of their country people who had come and settled in the area long ago um, they volunteered to create a tower a replacement tower for us so craftsmen over in luxembourg um uh, built it and then once that was complete they disassembled and shipped it in big crates over to the United States. And and then they also sent some folks to help with the installation and that took place um, 20 years ago, back this past May. Um, So it was in 2002 that the installation took place. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lots of fanfare and and it was just a really exciting um, event for our city.
0: And for many yeah. people, yeah, oh, it's just such a great story. And I, I don't think any of you were personally involved back then 20 years ago and all that happened, but um, it, it had to be uh, pretty, pretty incredible. But more recently, uh, I understand, speaking of Luxembourg, that you had a special visitor to the lighthouse related to that. Is that correct?
2: And we've had several uh, ambassadors uh, mm-hmm. visit uh, the. There is a Luxembourg cultural center just north of uh, Port Washington, and many of the descendants of the early immigrants are dual citizens mm-hmm. um, and take very much pride in, in being citizens of, of both Luxembourg and the United States. So when the ambassadors visit the cultural center, you know, which is just about 10 miles away, they always stop. And, and say hello and tour um, the light station and see what the Luxembourg Duchy has given to the city of Port Washington. We also, <clears throat> the former mayor of Milwaukee, Tom Barrett, just became the ambassador to Luxembourg from the United States.
0: I just, as we speak, I just did a quick Google search to see what the population of Luxembourg is. It's 632,000, it's actually more than I, I thought, yeah. but it's... Uh... It's quite a, a small country, but it's interesting. Why why did it happen that you have a lot of uh, people of uh, Luxembourgborg uh, descent uh, in in the in Wisconsin? Do you think is there do we know a reason for that?
3: Well, I was just going to say, there, you know, there's a lot of immigration going on back then, and for yeah. uh, I know oh. like Bernard Schomer, uh, his uh, brother came and settled in Belgium and apparently wrote some letters back to him and then him and his wife immigrated but stayed in port washington i think that you know like people attract other like people uh milwaukee's a lot of germans and and there were a lot of germans in port washington too but the luxemburgers were uh you know majority yeah and i
2: think we can um, thank our water highway, the Great Lakes, for bringing yes. immigrants in from all over Europe. As the former director of Old World Wisconsin, we deal with um, many populations, Norwegian, German, Irish, uh, Polish, uh, even from the Balkan area, that came to Wisconsin.
0: Mm-hmm interesting yeah like you said i'm sure if few moved there and relatives and friends uh, just ended up uh, kind of snowballing from there which tends to happen in different different places uh so let's move on uh that's it's just such an incredible story all that uh, the involvement of luxembourg but uh let's move on and talk about the tours at the lighthouse we touched on that earlier uh, but if you could uh, say a little bit more more about what is the open season, what is the season for tours, and what uh, basically do people experience when they visit there for a tour?
5: Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're open for tours from Memorial Day weekend through Labor Day weekend on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, this past year, we were open from one uh, o'clock to four o'clock p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, we may adjust that as as the needs uh, need arises, yeah. um, people uh, they they receive a an overview of the different lighthouses that Port Washington has had, both past and present. Um, uh, kind of as a gathering outside, and sometimes we'll walk across the street because we're on, a, on an elevated piece of land. We can walk across the street and show them the harbor and looking out to. Um, our current pier headlight that was built in 1935, Mm -hmm. um, giving them kind of a a basic information or set of information to go on. And then they enter the lighthouse and um, tour the living space. So we have the keeper's bedroom, the parlor, dining room, uh, pantry and kitchen. Um, In the kitchen, there's a brick wall, it's Cream City brick, and it's actually a remnant from the earlier 1849 lighthouse uh, building which was uh, a cabin separate tower so that's interesting to point out and then they go up the stairs to see the keeper's office and up three more sets of stairs which are really more like ladders um up to the tower. So we have a lamp cleaning room up there as well. And then at the very top there's a tower. And mm-hmm. it's it's probably big enough for about four adults maximum. So mm-hmm. a lot of times I'll hang I'll hang back and let, you know, four or groups of three or four people go up there and then kind of poke my head up and have a few words or answer questions as they have. Um, but we have a beautiful view from up there at the, in the tower um clear day we can see milwaukee
0: uh-huh uh, it must be incredible and is mm-hmm. there uh is there any sort of light uh, just for show maybe is there any sort of light in the lantern room mm-hmm.
5: there is um there is a well we have a replica lens fourth order for now lens. Oh all right
0: that's right of course yeah mm-hmm. made um, by uh dan spinella of artworks florida is artworks right? florida yeah, yeah.
5: Mm-hmm. Um currently we have a light bulb inside it, so it does light up at night. Um it's it must be triggered by the light level, the ambient light level, because one time about a month ago, we had storms coming through. And during the day, the the sky got dark enough, and I was up there with the tour group and the light came on. Mm-hmm. And it was a big surprise because I thought prior to that that it might be on a timer, but it seems to be triggered by the light level. So
0: um,
5: so that was interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, we have those daylight sensors here, like in my local lighthouse, Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse. And Mm -hmm. every once in a while, it's pretty rare, but if it's dark enough on a stormy day, it will come on during the day. Uh, So is your light considered, do you know if it's considered a private aid to navigation? Yeah.
3: uh, No, it's not a private light uh, aid to navigation. No, it's uh, the light bulb in there is... uh, non intrusive you know, people live up there. If we had the original light in there, I mean, yeah. you know, your bedroom would be
0: people would be complaining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the 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 uh the pier light, pier head light still serves the the sole function as the it's a navigation, yes. There, yes. yeah,
3: that's true. One thing I should say, uh, I'd like to say about the light on top of the lighthouse mm-hmm. uh, at Christmas time, we do have a red and a green bulb that we put in there. Oh, wow. And, a while back, there was a police officer from Milwaukee that was killed, and we uh, did have a blue light up there. Okay. We also have a flagpole, and we do uh, uh, run it at half-staff. Many times we get letters from the governor, you know, like right now with the queen dying, mm-hmm. uh, it's yes. at half-staff. But we also fly the flag to Luxembourg up there, too.
0: Oh, okay. Well, oh, that's, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a nice, nice touch and appropriate. Uh, so you mentioned Andrea earlier, uh, the volunteers helping with tours and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, do the volunteers do other things as well? What sort of things do volunteers do there?
2: Uh, One of the things we wanted to mention was the Port Washington Master Gardeners maintain uh, the flowers around, the plantings. I was up there over the summer and was amazed at the number of pollinators that they've been able to create this garden that is magical all summer long and and serves such a purpose. Mm
1: -hmm. So I think
2: Pat had referred to our Buildings and Grounds Committee uh, from the board, and they really are the ones that maintain the property itself. Uh, but some of it um, calls for craftspeople to be brought in. But where we can maintain, we try to, uh, the volunteers try to maintain the light station.
3: Mm-hmm. The volunteers also work on things like fundraisers and the resource center. Many of the people that work there. Um, put a lot of time there. They're also guides. So people wear a lot of hats. Mm-hmm. That's why we need more. Yeah.
0: Well, and speaking of that, if people want to volunteer, uh, how do they go about learning more and contacting you?
5: So for volunteers, for um, specifically for the light station, um, people could go to our website, www.pwhistory.org and under visit us they can go to the 1860 light station tab and there's a a volunteer section um, which has our email address which is uh, 1860 lighthouse tours at gmail.com or uh, they can contact us by phone 262-268-9150 that's mm-hmm. the phone number for the um, the resource center. So someone is there Mondays and, and Thursdays during the week and then um, uh, weekends during the summer and otherwise there's an answering service.
0: Don, I understand uh, there are some ideas about n- new ways of kind of utilizing volunteers in ways that, that haven't been done before, is, is that right?
2: yes uh, so many of our volunteers did not return after the pandemic um, and much of that had to do with them not wanting to meet with the public even and now that there's been several years in between they seem to have drifted away prior to the pandemic we used to be open six months and sometimes three days a week Uh, we've -hmm. had to cut that down the last few years because of not having volunteers. So we started looking at how can we get back to our original model where we're open from May through October. And I had the opportunity to visit some light stations in Michigan this summer, and they have a model where Um, they have volunteer keepers who come in from around the the country and sometimes around the world to spend a week or two in their light station in their apartment. We have a two-bedroom apartment above the light station that what we'd like to do is have what what they are calling volunteer light keepers come in um, and and give the tours now that won't eliminate completely the volunteers we have because the volunteer light keepers will have to be trained and and as andrea said it's best to have three people in our light station at a time and and with having the kind of apartment we have it'll probably be um, two people that would be volunteering there so we're going to put that model into play in 2024. So mm-hmm. we'll start advertising for volunteer keepers um, probably next spring by March, so that by the time May of 24 comes around, we're able to at least um, substantiate our volunteer core. So it's yeah. good that Andrea gave all the information. So if anyone is wanting to become a volunteer keeper in Port Washington in 2024, please get in touch.
0: Okay. Well, uh, I think it's a fantastic idea. I I have to say uh, you might uh, expect, you you would probably need to expect a lot of uh, inquiries about that. (laughs) Uh, Yes. And I found
2: out that so many people return year after year and we're looking forward to that. So once you become a light keeper, then you you tend to return.
0: Yeah, well, I know of similar projects, uh, uh, programs, not just in the Great Lakes, but here in New England, Seguin Light in Maine has seasonal uh, caretakers living on the island. And uh, there's a few others, uh, Thatcher Island and Rockport, Mass. And I know that there are return people who've done it for for years. Uh, I got so. to talk
2: to some of them, and, and mm-hmm. it was amazing, their stories. Some yeah. um, girlfriends come out, just the two of them, or or maybe sometimes four. Uh, and do a girlfriend trip, families with even small children. Yeah. Um, So there's a variety uh, of people that appreciate light stations.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's a perfect idea, and I know you're going to get a good response to that. So if we could shift gears a little bit, uh, there's another interesting story I was reading about. You have, uh, Your uh, historical society has been involved in uh, restoring a lifeboat. I think it used to be on display at the light station. Maybe it will be again, but it's a, a lifeboat from the SS Milwaukee. Uh, and uh, Don, uh, could you tell me a little bit about the the interesting background of that that lifeboat?
2: Right. So the SS Milwaukee was a car ferry that was sailing out of Milwaukee going across Lake Michigan in October of 1929, actually October 29th. And the Lake Michigan becomes notoriously treacherous in November, uh, if you think back to the Edmund Fitzgerald. And this car ferry um, was sailing with um, a lot of railroad cars and they broke loose in this big storm and just punched holes in the deck all hands were lost except for four crew members who were able to get into this one lifeboat unfortunately they did not survive the night um it, it was a cold and 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 when they reached the michigan shoreline um there were no survivors so that lifeboat came into the hands of the owner of the ss badger who offered the lifeboat to us about 15 years ago. Unfortunately, it had sat outside most of that time and needed a lot of restoration and repair. We took it up to uh, shipbuilders in uh, Sturgeon Bay. They repaired the boat about two years ago, and then we've been in the process of trying to decide what kind of display shelter we could build to uh, keep the lifeboat from deteriorating again, so we got a, um, a, a donor that very graciously um, funded the restoration of the lifeboat and and the shelter. But after the pandemic, the costs had really gone up, and we recently got a grant from a tourism capital grant from the state of Wisconsin that will allow us to now complete that shelter. Um, We've got it staked out we're getting ready to pour the concrete within the next week we won't be bringing the lights boat itself out until next spring there's no mm-hmm. reason to expose it to the winter in wisconsin until we really are open again
0: yeah well that, that that's exciting that's going to be really nice to see and I, I i you know i i think uh i've i haven't actually said this but obviously i think it's pretty obvious from things i've said i have not been there so I hope, uh, you know, I'll get there uh, maybe next year, maybe as soon as next year and uh, see the Maybe light you could be a volunteer
2: and keeper and there you uh, go. <laughs> in well, 2024.
0: I'm, you have to talk to uh, the uh, management, uh, the board and uh, director of the US Lighthouse Society, see if they'll give me a leave of absence. And also the American Lighthouse Foundation that I I do a lot of volunteering for. So, but that is a a really nice idea. It's very attractive. Uh,
3: Could could I add one thing about the Milwaukee? Sure, Pat. When it went down, it also besides the rail cars, which was the majority of it, it had uh, I believe it was 29 brand new Nash automobiles in it. Oh wow! And uh, you know the boat wasn't discovered for a long time, but. I did speak with a man that uh, dove on on the on the wreck, and I said, "Did you see those cars?" He says, "Oh yeah." He says they're all sitting there, all lined up, just pretty as can be. I says, well, "What kind of condition are they in?" He said, "Just a little bit of surface rust because Lake Michigan water is such you know it's a, you know there's not a lot of oxygen down there." So anyway, uh, there's something interesting about besides the size of rail cars, automobiles, and they're sitting yeah. there.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. If it was in uh, the Atlantic Ocean, it would be a little different. Yeah. There wouldn't yeah. be much, much left by this time.
3: And,
2: Pat, were the Nash Ramblers in the Senator as well as the uh, as I'm the not Kirk sure right? about the
3: Senator, but very possible because yeah. you know, Kenosha is where they were made. Right. You know, so, yeah. Hmm
2: lots of shipwrecks just outside yeah. of the port washington harbor yeah. which is why we're all so excited too about getting the lifeboat uh back under the shelter and on public display is last year um NOAA designated uh 60 miles of our shoreline as a national marine sanctuary and it's called the wisconsin shipwreck marine sanctuary and we're really looking forward to participating as partners with all of our other historical societies and museums along the coast to um, yeah. conserve these these ships.
0: Oh, well, that's that's great so having that lifeboat it really helps you tell that story it's kind of a yes. window into the well, the, the shipwreck history there and by the way in april i was in uh michigan along the 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 upper peninsula along lake superior and i visited whitefish point the shipwreck yes. museum there way over at the the eastern end of uh lake superior they have an excellent It's a
2: good one isn't it it's yeah.
0: really really good really i was very nice. impressed it yeah. really is yeah yeah so pat uh we uh haven't talked about it yet but obviously you haven't a lot of knowledge of the history of the the light station and i understand you actually wrote a book about it is yes. that yeah yeah uh, yeah tell me a little bit more about it what is the the scope of the book and uh how can people get it
3: okay well uh, the book itself uh, came about by accident because as a guide there was a lot of information available but it wasn't all pulled together yeah so i thought i'd try and put it pull it together well when i sat down and looked at it i thought there's enough here to make a book So I did make a book and uh, the book covers a period of time from 1849, from the first lighthouse to 1935, to when they closed the 1860 lighthouse and turned it into a duplex for Coast Guard personnel. Um, It also covers all nine of the lighthouse keepers. And in there, I also include uh, uh, Mrs. Charles Lewis Sr as a keeper, uh, and the three uh, assistant keepers. Um, So there's a little bit about each of these people, and some of them are more interesting and and we have more information. I'm also working on a second book about Margaret Schumer, uh, the the first keeper of the light uh, in the 1860 Lighthouse. I call call it uh, First Lady of the Light. I hope to have that done by spring. And uh, both of these books will be available. And the one is all currently available at, on the historical society website, pwhistory.org, mm-hmm. uh, and also on Amazon if somebody wants to you know, look for it. So. Okay,
0: great, great. Well, it's a, it's a valuable service that you've done to pull all that information together. Uh, and I'm sure uh, a lot of the information that tends to be on the Internet is not always correct. So I'm sure that was part of the job, too, of sorting out what's what's yeah. true and what isn't.
3: <laughs> That's the thing with history. You yeah. Know, uh, one person's opinion could be different. But, you know, you gather a few sources and you pretty well can zero in. Right. Um, I tried to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh, the the work of preserving a place like the 1860 light station of Port Washington obviously is never finished. There's, you finish one project and there's something else uh, suddenly pops up that needs to be done. But uh, it looks from all the photographs I've seen, it certainly looks, looks like it's in great shape, but I'm wondering if there are any major restoration or preservation type projects in the pipeline at this point, anything planned?
2: Well, we're in the process of um, a new strategic plan. Our old one is maybe three to five years old. Um, There is another building on site uh, called the generator building that the Coast Guard used. Um, At certain times, that has been um, displayed as a museum with artifacts in there. Right now, it is just a storage area. Mm
1: -hmm. I think
2: we'd like to... um, Restore that building. It needs new windows. It needs um, heating and air conditioning in order to keep our collection objects in the in the best of care. So mm-hmm. I think that's that's very possible, but we don't know that until we get to our new strategic plan. We do own. Uh, a lot next to the light station. And that's uh, um, part of that lot is where our our lifeboat will be displayed. We may want to build an education center on the bluff. We're just not sure. So Mm
1: -hmm. we
2: want to create a campus up there so that it is more than the 1860 light station. We just are in the process of um, extending our lease. We've had 25 year leases with the city. Our second one is just about up and so we'd like to extend that lease once we do that, then we'd be willing to make the improvements and I think the town and donors would be willing to make the improvements in the, in the generator building that are needed for it to, to become a, um, a type of museum.
0: Sure. Well, there's some really exciting ideas there. So yeah. I look forward to, to hearing more about what happens in the coming years. I have one final question for each of you and you can fight amongst yourselves as to who's going to take it, take it first, but, uh, and this is for bonus points. Okay. Uh, the question is, what is your favorite thing about the, the, your work, uh, your involvement with the Port Washington lighthouse? Who wants to go first?
2: Okay. I'll go first. Okay. Um, history runs deep and I think it's important to tell the stories about those who came before
0: Okay, that's succinct and excellent. Uh,
5: My favorite part about my involvement is um, sharing the history in the lighthouse, um, telling the story of past and present lighthouses and seeing people um, enjoy the tower, the tower climb.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, Pat, how about you?
3: My favorite uh, uh, part of the lighthouse and giving tours is giving the private tours. Uh, These are usually done, you know, uh, they could be during the season, but they're done during the week. Not everybody can be in Port Washington on a weekend, and they'd still like to see the lighthouse. So we do our best to accommodate them. And I I particularly enjoy doing that because every group is different. Some people are more interested in the furniture and the artifacts. Other people are more interested in hearing about the people. So you kind of take their temperature when they come in and tell them what they want to hear. And you're not uh, under a time constraint like you are on the weekends with people backing up. So that's the part that I really enjoy.
0: Yeah, well, that's great. I, I completely having some experience uh, giving tours along those lines, I completely understand your, your feelings about it. So this is a, a lot of fun uh, talking uh, with all three of you. I've really enjoyed it. And I, I appreciate you giving me this time. And uh, it's you know, it's uh, I haven't gotten there yet and I've got to get there uh, and uh, hope to in the next uh, year or two. So I hope I can come and uh, meet you in person as well. So thank you, uh, Don St. George and Andrea Cole and Pat Curtis. I, I really appreciate your time. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you,
1: Jeremy. For more on the Port Washington Historical Society and the lighthouse, visit pwhistory.org. Pat Curtis's book, The Light on the House at the Top of the Stairs, is also available through the site.
0: It was a real pleasure talking with Andrea, Don, and Pat. Uh, They've got a beautiful lighthouse there and it looks like it's uh, in extremely capable hands.
1: Thanks as always to all the volunteers, staff, and members of the United States Lighthouse Society around the US and around the world. Go to uslhs.org to learn more and remember that donations help support this podcast, as well as the preservation grants and all the missions of the society. Also, be sure to rate and review this podcast if you listen using Apple Podcasts.
0: The next two episodes of Lighthearted are going to focus on a very historic and scenic light station in southern Maine, Wood Island Lighthouse in Biddeford today's episode, as well as the two episodes of Wood Island will also be available in video versions on the USLHS YouTube channel. I had a opportunity to actually go to Wood Island a couple of weeks ago and shoot some video there. Uh, For our listeners, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the USLHS YouTube channel.
1: Here is a quote from Emily Bronte's poem, fall leaves fall quote, every leaf speaks bliss to me, fluttering from the autumn tree, end quote.
0: As always, thanks for listening and
1: keep a good light.